0: I'm
1: giving you three minutes, Martinez. I mean it, man.
0: Now, you're not just playing with your life, you're playing with mine. Peter.
1: Oh, heck about here. Sound like just a bunch of people talking. This is not political rhetoric. We're not fighting. This is not the Republicans versus the Democrats. They've got us in the hole economically, or we're in another war. It's more crucial than that. We are down to the line, folks. We are down to the line. There are no divisions among among living things. Please let him be quiet. We've got to. Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and it is my pure honor tonight to welcome our very special guest, Scott Renninger, who played Roger in the 1978 classic film Dawn of the Dead. Scott, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm very excited to have you here on the show with us. And well, thank you for asking. No, no, the honor is all ours. So how did when you made let before we get into anything else, did you have any idea when you were making Dawn of the Dead that you would be in a timeless classic for all of film history? No, absolutely not. Oh, uh, just your, yeah, okay. So what what were you saying?
0: I said absolutely
1: not. Uh, before we move any further now, you got cast for the role of Roger. Had you seen Night of the Living Dead that was done nine to ten years prior from George Romero? Oh, yes, of course. And, uh, were you a fan of, uh, you know, the movie before you even heard or got the part of Roger on Dawn of the Dead?
0: Well, you know, I really wasn't a big horror fan, actually. Uh, and, you know, George came to town with his
1: uh, girlfriend,
0: Chris Barst, Uh, and they called me up and asked me, I was in New York City, they asked me if I wanted to audition for this uh, new new film called Dawn of the Dead. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, they sent me the script, it was 225 pages. It was the most violent thing I ever read in my life. <laughs>
1: It was, uh, I mean, for back in that time, it's uh, the scripts like that, I assume, were not very common.
0: No, no, not at all. Um, and the, the script was so long, but I was very attracted to the role because of the arc of the character. Yes. You know, because all the steps and the events he goes through and ultimately where he ends up. So I thought, oh, it's a great acting part, you know.
1: And looking back on Dawn of the Dead, and of course we have the four main cast members, including yourself, I would not be able to, like if somebody asked me who was the lead in Dawn of the Dead, it's all four of you. There, it is. Yeah, there is not one person that would that I would say was like the lead over another character. It was all four yeah, of no, you. I
0: think that's very true, yeah.
1: Yeah, all four of you played an equal part and were, you know, true to the word of being, you know, co-leading stars of that movie. So, again, just walk us through how you actually first met George Romero.
0: When I first met him? Yeah. um, Was at an audition in New York City. Uh, Chris Forrest's then girlfriend who became his later wife. Uh, I knew her from college, and we went to the theater department together. Okay. Uh, She called me up one day. She said, would you like to audition for this film by George Romero? I said, sure. Sent me the script. I went over there. I met him. He's very relaxed, very open. He's very casual. It's like a no-stress
1: situation. Now, how is that... Does that, does his personality change when it comes time to shooting? Is he more, is no,
0: Mm -mm.
1: so he's still very laid back. Well,
0: he's calm, you know, he's only he's calm because he's like very prepared, yeah, and you know, he believes in his cast and his crew, and so he doesn't like act out, he doesn't get angry, he doesn't like blow up or anything, um, and. He allows you to try anything you want. And if you try something, it doesn't work. He just reflects back on it. There's like no judgment whatsoever.
1: That sounds great. So yeah. when did you meet your co-stars, David Emge, Ken, uh, Ken Foray, and Gail and Ross? When were you guys like first introduced to each other?
0: Uh, I met them at the hotel where we were staying before
1: we started to shoot. Oh, so literally you just met them right before you yeah. guys started filming. Did you guys, I didn't know that before, no. Did you guys get along right away? Uh did it you know? Yeah,
0: pretty much. You know, I mean there was no, you know,
1: antipathy or
0: animosity between us. It wasn't like, you know, who's the star of the movie and who's not no. No. We we just knew we were doing something very unusual. Uh we didn't really get how unusual it was until we started to shoot it. You don't get the humor in the script mm. when you read it. And then we started to shoot it by going, oh, oh, I see. Oh, George has something in mind here. Yeah. And it was like very exciting to watch it as it unfolded. So that was pretty cool.
1: It was. I can imagine. Uh, did you guys have a lot of fun shooting it? Or was it all like when it came time, just serious business?
0: Well, it, it, well answer the question for yourself. Um, we're running around with guns and machine guns in a mall, and having fun and killing zombies.
1: <laughs> so do you think that's fun, yeah. or do you think it's serious? I think it's well, fun. Well,
0: yes, we were serious as the actors, but the event was fun, of course.
1: Now, how uh, did it actually work with Monroeville Mall, which is where the movie was shot? Did you guys right. did they shut the mall down, or were you guys shooting exclusively after hours at night?
0: And we were shooting at night
1: okay
0: yeah um it was funny i remember the first day we started to shoot and uh kenny and i and uh david came out with all these you know gun straps over our bodies and we we're holding these like you know, these guns and these automatic weapons and there were two ladies that were leaving the mall, and they turned around and looked at us like what what, 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 what what's happening hello um and the staff of the mall was trying to push them out. And then they were, we're there all night.
1: How long did it take? How, how much time did you guys actually spend filming in the mall?
0: Most of the time was in the mall. Uh, the outdoor scenes, uh, the on top of the roof, the uh, scene in the projects, those were all done first. Okay. And then we went into the mall, and we were there for, oh, my God, like a month and a half. Wow. Yeah, it was, like, it was like the Twilight Zone. You sleep during the day, you work all night, and you 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 lose all perspective of time. <laughs>
1: <That> <laughs> it is... was like
0: being a zombie in a zombie movie, you know?
1: Oh, man. It, it, I, even though it was over, it just sounds so much fun. Uh, now, it was fun, yeah. Now, moving on, um, what was it like having the whole mall to yourself you know you guys the filming crew you basically had a run of the place um do you guys do off camera any kind of wacky stuff that normally you would not you know do take have some fun in between shooting takes or whatnot
0: well yeah we'd be laughing and be silly of course uh nothing extreme um with george shooting george is very efficient and when you're shooting, he moves on quickly from one thing to the next because he's very, very prepared. He's got to be flexible. He's got to roll with it. and Then you make suggestions, and he gives you feedback, and,
1: and you shoot it. It's, it's
0: very relaxed, but the pace is very, very definite and very forward-moving all the time
1: absolutely now when you were reading the script what was your opinion on your character roger and his arc you mentioned his arc earlier what exactly did you think of the character of roger as you were reading the script
0: uh well uh i thought he was an obsessed man who lived on the edge he was an ex-marine that the only fine way he could find stimulation and excitement in his life was living on the edge. So he ultimately became a cop, then became a squat cop, you know, and then he had a very loose uh, spring in, a spring inside of him. And he always felt that, you know, he could control every situation because that's where he came from. He was a cop, mm-hmm. he was a, you know, he was a SWAT cop. And then everything caught up with him, and then he started to break and lose it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we see in the beginning of the film that he's not a, a cold-hearted SWAT no. guy who's out to just kill, 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 kill. No. He is affected by what he sees in that building in the beginning of the movie. But Very much. As the arc, which is so great of Roger, when they go into the mall and he starts playing really loosey-goosey and taking a lot of unnecessary risks to where Ken Foray's character says, listen, you're not just playing with your life, you're playing with mine. Do you think mentally he was starting to break?
0: He was mentally starting to break because he was losing a grip on the real reality of the day-to-day thing, that they were, like, really in danger. But the only way he could cope with it was to, like deny it, and just move forward and even make fun of it. Yeah. God God forbid he would admit that he may not survive. He could never admit that.
1: No, even we see that even though uh, up until the end when he's uh, dying in bed and he's yelling out to Peter, we sure got them, Peter. Didn't we get them? Yeah, we got them. You know, he knew he was dying but he could not even bring himself to admit it to himself. Now, no. I want to switch gears a little bit. Now, Tom Savini okay. was uh, the man that worked with George Romero. They were, they were great friends. He also had a cameo in the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go to the time to where you uh, change over to a zombie, right at, <laughs> right at the very end of Roger's character arc. Okay. What was it like working with Tom? And I assume Tom is the one who got you all geared up with the makeup and everything. Yeah,
0: he did. Uh, yeah, he was great. We, we be, He was very relaxed. We came, became friends. He was really efficient. So what he did was the makeup was like so very simple. Uh, there was no latex. There was no prosthetics. There was nothing. All he did was he put a solution on my face, and then he used a blow dryer to gradually shrink my face. <laughs> and he did that over and over and over and just used, used my natural skin to make me look i am a uh, you know, in every hundred years old, right? <laughs> yeah. And then he, yeah. And then he put the makeup on top of that. It took an hour and a half, but that was it. There, there was no prosthetics
1: whatsoever. Mm-hmm. How does it make you feel uh, that when the movie was said and done with, you being the zombie when you turned was actually the main poster for the movie? You were the, <laughs> how did that make you feel, Scott?
0: Well, I said to Richard Rubenstein, when that came out on the DVD, I'm now on the VHS, uh-huh. I said, Richard, why did you have to pick that per- picture to put it on the DVD? And he laughed.
1: <laughs> you becoming a zombie, I swear, it's one of the all-time classic scenes of a person like becoming weird, a zombie. Right? Yeah, it's weird. And when people think of the you know, Dawn of the Dead and the poster flashes, it's it's you. It's you as a zombie. Now, was the movie physically was it more physically tolling on you to shoot or more emotionally tolling working nights and and whatnot? What was the hardest part of shooting Dawn of the Dead?
0: Uh, it was the, the hours and the sleeping uh during the day and at night it kinda of threw off your entire rhythm Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was emotionally tolling and sometimes i mean um you know sometimes it was fun it was like cowboys and indians but sometimes it was very emotionally toiling i think the further we got on but i must say probably the scene that hit me the most was early in the movie when we were called down to come to the cage at the bottom of the uh apartment building, Uh and there are all these zombies there eating each other? And I went, oh my God. Uh, I mean, I read it in the script now. I'm walking in there. I'm going, George? (laughs) I said to him, George, this is really disgusting. (laughs) And he looked at me. He smiled. He went, yeah, I know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was
0: disturbing and it was disgusting at the same time, but you know, he knew what he wanted, and, but that was disturbing. I, I
1: got to check it that, that That was such an amazing scene. When Peter, when you guys were moving the trucks around, right? And Peter yeah. is in the next truck and a zombie is on top of you and Peter takes out the zombie and you're splattered with the blood, right? You yeah. actually looked like you weren't acting. Like you were like really repulsed. By having all this, you know, makeup, blood... I was. <laughs> it, yeah, it did not look like you were acting. You were like, oh my God, this is disgusting. Yeah, I was repulsed.
0: I, I, I definitely was repulsed.
1: Did, uh, I mean, did you... I mean, I knew my... What? Mm-hmm. Did you know that was coming? Did George tell you that's what was going to happen? Or did he sort of... Oh, yeah,
0: I, I knew they were going to blow her head off. <laughs> I, I knew that head of time. It's just the fact that when it happened and then... You feel all this liquid over your face. You know, it's a movie, but then it's, like, really gross. And then... Uh, but the whole thing is about how does the character react to it, right?
1: Exactly. That's the kind of
0: key point in his development. It's very, very disturbing to him because he's used to being in control uh-huh. and controlling the situations, and now he's out of control.
1: Exactly. And it was Peter that came in, at, at least at that point, and saved his hide. Now, we know George liked to shoot his movies around the Pittsburgh area. Are you from yeah. the Pittsburgh area yourself? or No, I'm from New York City. Oh, so am I. We're fellow New Yorkers. I'm from Queens. Uh, and I just
0: love you anyway.
1: <laughs> so, uh, how did the community while you guys were there it was filmed in Monroeville mall which if you go there today they do zombie walks in Monroeville, yeah. dedicated to the you know all the romero movies especially dawn of the mm-hmm. dead how did the community itself and everyone else react to the crew the cast and everybody you know everybody involved with the movie
0: You mean the community surrounding Yeah, yeah, uh, the
1: Monroeville, the community there around Pittsburgh.
0: No, they were very supportive. They were, like, so interested in what was happening, and it was kind of new, and, you know, nothing like that happened before. And then it made Pittsburgh famous. It made them all famous. And, you know, all these people volunteering to be zombies and, you know, 25-degree weather outside. It was, like, awesome. It's like, you guys are crazy. You're coming here. You're making a few bucks a day, and you're standing in 25 degree weather <laughs> outside. Some walk. Oh, uh, my job is easy compared to yours. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, but even to this day, Scott, there are there are like zombie walks, you know, organized. I know. and done in Monroeville. It's become so huge. At which point, uh, whether it was during or after shooting. Did you and maybe the other cast members realize, like, holy cow, this is this is something special that we just did? Uh, Sometimes it takes years.
0: It does take years. I, I gotta tell you, I, I knew it was gonna be different. Uh, I knew for sure it was gonna be controversial. I knew because it was gonna be released without a rating. I thought people are gonna hate it or they're gonna love it. I thought maybe at one point it was going to ruin my career, you know, I'm like this, you know, experienced classical stage actor in New York, you know, (laughs) so I, I, all these thoughts in my mind, Uh, um, but, you know, it all turned out okay, frankly, Um, and, you know, you don't know when you get into a film like that, that you're actually going to be in an iconic, you know, horror film, you don't, you don't think of that, no, that's the last thing in your mind. And my manager, Chris Rowe, said, said to me like four years ago, he said, uh, Scotty, he calls me Scotty, he said, you know, you are in one of the most iconic horror films of all time. Yeah. I went, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you are. And Yeah, uh, I know, but it didn't. I didn't look at it that way. You know, it needed somebody else from a, an objective point of view to point that out to me. I mean... I, I was just thinking, oh, and more
1: iconic Yeah, clinic movie. Oh, yeah. I I, it's probably, well, it's impossible to predict as you get a script, as you're filming. You don't even know if it's going to be received well or not. I, of course not I, I always tell people that history is the best judge on when it comes to movies, especially like yeah. movies like Dawn of the Dead. Did you have a chance to see the remake in 2004? I did, yes. I had a cameo in it. That's right. I told that totally. I totally forgot about that.
0: No worries. About sixty seconds long.
1: <laughs> I thought that two thousand and four. Of course, it's nothing compared like the original, but they did a pretty decent job in that two thousand and four remake. You being a part of the original, how do you feel about the remake and made in two thousand and
0: four? There's been a lot of controversy about it. I didn't really care about the controversy. I mean, there's a fan base. They, oh, how can they remake that movie? And nobody can do it better. And It's a betrayal. And, you know, for me, it's like I met the producer, Eric Newman, mm-hmm. on the set. Um, and Zack Snyder, as you know, directed it. Yeah. Um, and... I didn't have an attitude about it, but the thing was, the first day I was there with uh, Eric Newman, he came up to me. He was acting like he was a teenager. I mean, literally, he's 42 years old. Like, he's going, wow, man, it is so great that you were standing right here. I went, like, well, <laughs> well, thank you for asking. <laughs> That's what I said. He said, no, no, you have no idea. I've been a Dawn of the Dead fan since I was a young teenager. I said, well, how did you get into this? He said, I always had a dream of remaking this movie. I said, are you serious? He said, "Yep." And, and then he said, I can't believe I'm actually standing here with you, with the other actors, the ring rings and we're actually doing it. I said, well, more power to you. You had a vision, and you did. You know, I don't think the film is a great film. It's an action
1: movie. It is. It is an action movie. Yeah. That's where it differs a lot from the original the original was, uh, as with all George Romero movies, he makes a lot of social t- social commentary in his movies right. that are very relevant. And they're not only relevant at the time that he makes the movie, a lot of his commentary is still relevant today. And, oh,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh-huh. And he really digs into the characters. And you're right, to the 2004 remake, there was a lot more action as opposed to the uh, the original, but out of all the the remakes with Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead, I thought the two thousand and four Dawn of the Dead was the better of the remakes of the remakes. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when it comes back uh, to the character that you played in nineteen seventy eight. Do you appreciate the, uh, you know, do you think that Roger received a proper burial? Do you think he got a proper burial? (laughs) Well, I thought it
0: was sweet. He was buried in the garden in the mall, and that was all very sweet. And uh, I thought it was kind of strange, actually. (laughs) Uh, And then I said to George, I said, why am I dying so soon? And he
1: just laughed as well. I don't know. It's just the way it has to be. Oh, like, oh "Okay, George." <laughs> <laughs> when um, uh, when Ken Foray had you in the cart. This is after you were bitten and you really couldn't walk. And you got you know he was wheeling you around. Uh, did he play any kind of pranks on you in any way? <laughs> no, he didn't actually.
0: Because
1: you were the like pr- Oh, go on. <coughs>
0: Excuse me. The person who played pranks on me was uh, David Emge.
1: Oh, <laughs> Flyboy.
0: Has a great sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. And we were always joking around. <laughs> and Kenny has a great sense of humor, but David is very, very more out there.
1: In his, in his humor yeah. Uh, you know Ken Foray I mean I've never see, I've never met him and I've gone to a lot of conventions especially back in the 90s I've met M.G. Uh, haven't had the pleasure of uh, when getting to meet Ken but I hear he's a really big guy tall big oh
0: he's 6 foot 5 yeah yeah um, he I don't know how many pounds he is he's in really good shape for his age uh um when George auditioned me, I don't know, did I tell you this, what he said about Kenny?
1: No, you didn't. Um.
0: well, hold on one second. It's okay. <coughs> Excuse me. No, it's all right. Um, so I do my first take on the audition, right? Uh-huh. And George is there, and he, he kind of smiles very wryly and says, well, yeah, I really like what you're doing. Uh well I'll tell you what, um I'll give you a couple more scenes and come back next week. So I come back next week and I get in again with more scenes and he looks up at me and he's going, Yeah, I I I I really like what you you're doing. <laughs> and I heard his butt in his voice. Uh, but, <laughs> because I took an angle on the role was not what he saw whatsoever, which I can tell you about later if you want. Um Absolutely. And he said, Well, I've already cast this guy, and he's like twice your size. And if you do the role, you're going to be in, in, in almost every scene. <laughs> I said, Well, okay. And you know what I said? It came right out of my mouth. George is very comfortable. I said, George, the audience is not going to give a shit about that after the first five minutes.
1: And he was, Yeah, you and were he right. Laughed. You were absolutely nice arm, right. That, nice.
0: Okay, got the part.
1: <laughs> so, what was that angle that you uh, you were playing with the with the character?
0: Uh, with Roger. You mean with
1: Roger? Yeah, with Roger.
0: Well, my angle was, and this was not in the script, but um, George's view, which I found out subsequently, that Roger was this big, burly. He's a cop, but he's kind of unkempt and he's big and he takes up a lot of space. Uh You know, and he's just like really tough guy. I was, you know, I'm 5'7 and I'm looking at the scripting on. I gotta bring this to myself in a way that could actually work. Uh So I said, okay, the guy's an ex Marine, he's a sharpshooter, he loves danger. He's very, very disciplined. He prides himself on being able to handle any dangerous situation at any possible time in life. And then he meets a situation where all that unravels. Yeah. So my take was on the character was that he was a very, uh, an ex-Marine. And George said, well, I, I really like what you're doing. was <laughs> <Which laughs> Nobody's had it in mind at all. But <laughs>
1: actually you got to take a risk you know exactly exactly now when the movie was all done shooting did uh, you guys keep in touch with you know Ken and gie and Francine at all for a while
0: yeah sometimes I've seen uh, I've seen a Galen at conventions times uh, I saw David at conventions at times certainly Kenny, I saw him more frequently sure
1: Mm-hmm. How uh, was that actually you that slid down the uh, the escalator, uh, or did they? That
0: was me. Mm-hmm.
1: Did you get that on one take, or did you have to do it multiple times?
0: It was one take.
1: <laughs> you you <laughs> nailed it perfectly.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. It was a funny thing because you know George can be pretty flexible with ideas, and we are. You know, in the script it says Roger runs down the escalator. Uh-huh. So we're all standing at the top of the escalator, and I'm looking down at the escalator. I went, George, well, what if I just slide down in the middle? And he went, what? I said, I'll slide down in the middle, just get somebody to spot me at the bottom so I don't break my back. He went, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, that's a great story because it tells you how much times have changed now, uh, I've had so many guests on here telling me because of insurance purposes, they will not allow the actors to take any kind of risks like that. Just on the yeah, chance. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because if the if a actor goes down and the movie production comes to a halt, then they're all screwed, you know? So uh, do you think that Roger, after getting bit, had a a reckoning with himself? like he realized you know what i really screwed up i got my i got myself killed
0: you know of course he had a reckoning he was totally in the face of his uh, belief about himself yeah he believed he could uh sustain and control anything yeah well he can't
1: Yeah. he wasn't you know
0: and that's why he started to break the way he started to fall apart you know yeah. He didn't know what
1: else to do, he, frankly. He was acting, when he was going all crazy with the trucks, he was acting like he was invincible. and He was. And mm-hmm. that him getting bit was like a big reality slap to his face. Huge. Uh Now, th- let's go with the, uh, some of the helicopter scenes. Did you all actually fly in the helicopter or if not, how was that scene actually shot when you all, all four of you are in the helicopter near the beginning of the movie?
0: Well, that's hilarious. Okay. When we're in the helicopter, we're actually in a studio, like a warehouse, Uh-huh. and we have people moving the helicopter so it looks like we're flying and moving. <laughs> no, we were just not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> but then there were the separate external shots, you know, um, I mean, there was a shot. There was an outside shot where some guy asked me for cigarettes or something like that, and then we fly off. We did fly up at that point, but then the helicopter came right back down. So,
1: you guys actually did film at a real armory with the National Guard. Is that true? That's true. Mm-hmm. How was that? What was that like?
0: Um, I don't think I was there for that though. Uh, for... At the armory, I don't think my character was there.
1: Hmm. Okay. Was he there? I, I'm. I'm probably thinking of a different scene. Where was that scene where uh, you guys land for fuel, and that zombie comes up and gets his head chopped off by the helicopter blade? Oh
0: yeah, was that? Um, that was at this tiny airport. Okay. Right outside Maroonville.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, did you uh you know, if you could go back I don't know if you did this or not, but did you keep any souvenirs from the set at all when you were done? No, I
0: didn't. Tom Savini
1: took them all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Tom Savini was my guest back in October. Um, he? he's a funny guy. Yeah. yeah, he's a funny guy. He was on here with Greg Nicotero, who is another big zombie guy, loves putting on the zombie makeup, great director, producer and, yeah, there, there, and
0: Care, yeah.
1: there came a point in an interview where those two guys just started pulling up these props you know oh, really tom savini pulled out this mangled lower jaw that he put on greg nicotero showed us uh, that he has a uh, a dummy of a burnt up zombie on his living room floor and it oh was yeah it was hilarious and and You know, Tom Savini, when he was doing the interview, you can tell he was in his workshop. And you can see the background. He has a room just full of props that he has collected over the years. I am
0: not surprised. I, I am totally not surprised.
1: Now, are there any characteristics that you could relate to with the character of Roger? Oh, personally? Personally, like Scott. Did did you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's ever asked me that question. Um, That's a good question. Um, I would say, yes, uh, because I'm much older now, so I'm just like much more relaxed. I'm at everything, but I am very precise. Yeah, um...
1: Well, let me put it to you this way. If I had to pick out of the four of you who I would want to go out and have a beer with, I would pick you. What? Thank you so much. (laughs) Roger was just more of the... had more of a personality. Peter was very serious, you know, down to business. Uh, You know, Francine was also very realistic and she was sort of... She took on the role of sort of like the mother of the group, for lack of a better term. And then Mm -hmm. the one character that was really naive and made a lot of silly mistakes that put people's lives in danger was Emgy's character, you know, Flyboy. Yeah, right. Yeah, so definitely Roger is the one that you would probably have the most fun with if you were to spend an evening one night at a bar. Uh, Now, do you think Roger... Yeah,
0: Roger and Emgy.
1: Uh, Yeah. Was he a lot of fun on the set?
0: Oh, and we We laughed all the time. (laughs) We just had a very similar humor.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Do you you think that, you know, Roger's outlook when uh, he did get beat, do you think he knew right away that his fate had been sealed? Or do you think there was still a part of him, since this was just breaking... This was not. This has not been going on for years. Dawn of the Dead is still when the apocalypse is starting to break out. Do you think mm-hmm. he held out hope that hey he might be able to beat this and not get not die and come back as a zombie?
0: Yeah. Well, I think he knew very well that it was all going down, but he had to be in total denial that that was what was happening. Because he couldn't admit it exactly. to himself.
1: Exactly. Uh, I want to get to some of your stuff that you've done. You said you were from New York City. How would you, des- do you how would you describe your time studying at the American Conservatory Theater? I
0: loved it. It was very, uh, very disciplined. Every day, five days, six days a week, we were doing all kinds of you know acting exercises and plays and new plays and you know classical plays and it was very intense but it was like a no bs place which i loved
1: would you call would do you consider yourself more of a stage actor
0: uh well i love the stage you know i can't i can't help that i just do um would i can more you know i don't consider myself more of a stage actor no but I would say my the bulk of my experience has been on the stage. Also I'm a director and I've directed probably over what twenty five professional productions. Yeah. yeah. And I got into directing like in the uh, just after Dawn of the Dead actually.
1: You know, and then I got uh, to a different path. And did you, um, like, really find that experience? Like, wow, this is... I mean, you said you've done 25, so you must have really loved that first experience and you wanted to pursue directing as much as you could, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, there was no doubt about it. Um, you know, acting is great. I love it. I love the process. You know, I work with actors. I teach actors. And I enjoy the process. But directing is a whole... Another world. It's not moving people around, which you do, but it's about uses your, you know, your faculties for imagination. It you uses your faculties for interpretation. It you uses your faculties for fantasy yeah. and, and thinking, where in a way that things you don't go into areas that you go into, you know, the actors go into.
1: It's much bigger. Yeah. It's your it's vision. Cute. It's your vision that as a director, You got to put on the screen, you know, the way you envision it in your mind, you have to portray that to the audience. And I just can't imagine how difficult that is. And, you know, it's a lot of work. It's I I bet it is. (laughs) Uh, What would you say your experience with the healers was a major turning point for you deciding to write and direct?
0: How did you know that?
1: (laughs) I've got some great researchers on my team.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, yeah, it was a turning point, you bet. Because I was new as an actor and I'm doing stage work, you know, in some film and some TV, not a ton of it, you know, and then you don't have the dead and that becomes really famous. Yeah, but when I was at ACT in San Francisco, I saw this workshop production of this play, The Healers. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked ACT, are you going to move this to the main stage? And they said no. So I got the playwright's information, and I contacted her. That play hit me so much. It was like it a meeting. I go, okay, I got to direct this play. Because I, I always wanted to be a director, but that was the play that made me say, I have to direct this play. Wow. So I worked with her like for two... Uh, almost three years uh, developing it um, it took place in a Pentecostal prayer, prayer meeting out in the middle of the desert in a hotel about a young little 12 year old girl who uh, her insulin is t- taken away from her to prove that Jesus is going to heal her that's all now, yeah the, the story was written about the playwright so <laughs> there was a lot of research there <laughs> I had to go into her world. I went to all these Pentecostal communities. We're talking about a community of five hundred people, and there might be eight Pentecostal meeting houses. Jeez. Uh, I was like in the thick of it for three months, um, and it was a very compelling and very moving story, and I was obsessed. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> it
1: sounds like you put your full heart into it. To just oh yeah, put every, you could...
0: every minute of my brain into it. You yeah. know.
1: Um but then I
0: got it produced off Broadway at the Theater of the Riverside Church.
1: Ah, oh. Yep. So mm-hmm. I mean it turned out to be very uh, it turned out to be a well a great decision and just you pursuing yeah, very the rights. Nice. Yeah. I knew that. It was like
0: uh I you know, I have to do this, you know. Just, it's like, you know, just telling stories, you got to tell stories, you
1: know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What inspired you to uh to find the in- I want to get this right. Inside-OutCoach.com, and you became a certified life and career coach. What was your inspiration behind that?
0: Well, you know all this stuff about me. Where do where, where you get this information? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of joking with you. Okay? I
1: know, I know.
0: Um, hmm.
1: Excuse me. No, it's
0: okay. I'm just having some coffee. I trained for three years, three to four years on and off at the Coaches Training Institute in uh, North of San Francisco. Because uh-huh. uh, I read this book um, that was written by the head of the training institute and I was very drawn to it. And I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do with my life besides directing or if that falls apart or, or whatever? So I trained to become a certified coach and then after that I started to uh, basically, I work with people in the entertainment industry, more on the executive side. Uh-huh. hmm And then I would work with some corporate people. But it was all bent on the fact of where do they want to go in their life? And it's kind of complicated. It's not simple. It's not like some cookie cutter approach. You know, everybody's different. Um... um I got fascinated by that, and I did that for a few years, you know on and off, but I had a
1: lot of clients and, um but it's helped me in my my directing actually that's oh well, that's great to know. Do you also still teach at the um what is it, the American Academy of Dramatic arts i do I'm the head of the camera department there mm-hmm. that's awesome so basically, is it just uh give us a little background about the academy? Is it just a an acting school? Is it just all entertainment production, editing, the whole nine yards? What? Yes,
0: you know. It, uh, ultimately, was founded was uh, basically a stage uh, approach. Um, it, it's the only acting, acting school in the United States. It's founded in 1898. Wow. Um, yeah. No, and, and it's on both coasts, and so I'm head of the acting department, and you know it's stage training you know which is very in-depth It's musical training it's body training it's camera training it's director training it's like on and on and on so i've been there a while and i love it because i love working with students and sometimes it's very frustrating you know or sometimes i think well maybe am i doing enough am i giving them enough to it's always very challenging, but but I but I like it. You know, I totally
1: a, understand. Uh, and for you, let me see if I summarize this correctly. It gives you a sense of pleasure, or or, or a sense of good, knowing that you're passing down the stuff that yeah. you have learned from such a long career, doing so many different things. It's a yeah. uh, it's some satisfaction there, and to be able to do that. And to do that, you have to have a love for it. Uh, be- yeah, I do. I, I do. Because if you don't have a love for it, it's just you know the, you're not. It, it's just not going to translate. And do you ever feel like you know I've had a good, successful career? I was in one of the most iconic horror movies of all time. I've done stage work, I've directed, I've written. Mm-hmm. Do you ever consider just saying, you know what, I'm just going to retire. I'm just going to not do this anymore. Oh, no.
0: I'll, I'll never retire. <laughs> people ask me that. that thing. Okay, I'm 72 years old, right? Uh-huh. Okay. And people ask me, are I riding an Uber? I take Uber a lot. You know, and I have like a slightly gray beard now, which I'm going to shave because the lady in my life, I don't think she'll love it. I think maybe she's on the call right now. Because <laughs> I invited her. Oh, my God. Um, but, no, I'm not going to retire.
1: You're not the I write only now,
0: one. and I write a lot. And No, why, why should I retire? What, 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 I don't think that's an objective. No. That... I, I like to... I like to work. I like to be interesting. I like to be doing things,
1: you know, and that's, uh, and that is the response that I've gotten from every, uh, actor, director, producer who I've, uh, who I've interviewed that, uh, Robert Joy put it best. He said, it'll be like asking me to stop breathing. Uh, right. If I was to retire, you know, I had right. Adrian Barbeau on, uh, couple of several weeks ago and it was the yeah same, i know her yeah it was the same it's like i haven't found a single actor writer producer that retirement has ever even crossed their mind you know right. it, because to do this job as you know being in the entertainment industry where it's mostly rejection uh right. what keeps you going is a love for the arts you know, at the end of the day, it's yeah, a love of...
0: it's that, or it's a love of telling a story, or, you know, it sounds crazy, you know, and it's a lot of effing work, but, you know, you just get hooked on it, you know, and sometimes things just, like, break out, you know, and it's like, you know, you, entertainment industry is like a big fantasy, you know, but the reality is that's a lot of hard effing work, and yeah. that's what it's about.
1: Exactly. I mean, it's
0: a bottom line, Hard work, you got to keep that all the every time, you know. And nobody's gonna give you the time of day unless you got something that's worthwhile.
1: Absolutely, I could not have said that better myself. And I just yeah. have, I'm gonna ask one more question because I know you're holding that phone. It must be getting tiring. Is it? It's true, okay. Is it true that you and David Emgee uh, were working in a restaurant together before oh, yeah. you got the movie together? You got no, so, so so you guys were working at, at a restaurant, like what, waiters, like what?
0: Uh, both. Uh, he, was, uh, he was actually a chef in the kitchen, and I was a waiter, and then I became a bartender, and it's called Lady Astor's, which was directly across the street from the Public Theater. I don't know if you know what that is, but the Public Theater is one of the main theaters in the United States uh-huh. that develops new work. And a lot of famous playwrights came out of there. David Mammoth, David Reeb. Um, and during that period in the 70s. and So yeah, I, I worked there. It was a very uh, sophisticated but not snobby restaurant. It was very expensive. Made great chips.
1: <laughs> and it was just coincidence that you and Andy and were there. And you both ended up getting casted in Dawn of the Dead? That was just pure coincidence?
0: Well, not really, because George Romero had a friendship with Robert, who owned the restaurant, okay. and George and his wife, Chris, they were friends with Robert. And I was working there, and then when they came to New York to cast, Chris suggested me, and she knew that I worked there, and uh, it just was all this kind of, family kind of thing
1: that happened. And it all just fell into place.
0: Yeah, it just fell into place. It was like, who would have thought that would happen? You know, how could you predict that? It's weird. It's
1: weird just how you know, some things just work out. (laughs) Scott, I want to thank you so much for uh, spending this time with us, giving us a glimpse of your time on Dawn of the Dead, your career before the movie, after the movie, and I told you, you're... Roger was the one I'd want to have a beer with after talking to you, the real Scott <laughs> who played Roger. I'm even more convinced now that you're definitely the person I'd want to go out and have a beer with. Not to say anything wrong with your co-star. They were all amazing. Uh, MG, Foray, Francine, fabulous crew. The four of you, I just before we go, I just want you to know that the four yeah. of you is what made Dawn of the Dead the iconic horror movie and of course with george romero's direction that you yeah. guys are what made that such an iconic film that will live on well beyond everyone who's watching this time on earth has passed so thank you for such You're a welcome. great thank you thank you for such a great performance uh, from the movie thank you so much for being here on the show Um, is there any final thoughts you want to share with our viewers before we go? Um
0: Well yeah, Jonah the Dead was a very special experience. Um um I've met some great people because of it. And that's the bottom line, that's the benefit. It wasn't a movie, it was all the people I met in the
1: results. Exactly, exactly. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. This has been a wonderful conversation. Stay safe, everybody. Have a good weekend. And until Monday, stay walking. Good night.
0: Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.